Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for the opportunity that we have to sing these songs. Let the truth that is in them, Lord, I just also thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather here together, Lord, and uh, sing these songs and hear your word, Lord, and that I just pray today that we could hear from you and that you would speak to our hearts through your word, Lord, and that we can leave here changed because of who you are and that you would work in our hearts and in our lives, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please remain standing for the next song. Both of us. And have the children dismissed at the time. The rest of us grab our Bibles. Turn to James in chapter 1. James in chapter 1. So again, Pastor Montoro would um, love to be here today, but he is in um, Omaha, Nebraska right now, preaching a missions conference for another pastor. So I am filling in for him and um, appreciate the opportunity to be able to preach. James chapter 1. We're going to begin reading in verse number 21, James chapter 1, as soon as I get there. But um, James chapter 1 and verse number 21. The Bible says, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man, beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, He being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just once again come before you. And Lord, I just need your help this morning to be able to communicate your word. I just pray that you would be honored and glorified, Lord, and that you would help me to preach, Lord, in such a way that your word would be clear and would speak to hearts, Lord. And we leave it all in your hands. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Brother Jason Gaddis, who's the pastor at Southwest Baptist Church, where I attended when I was in Bible college, he had this saying, he said many, many times, he said, the problem with life, it is just so daily. The problem with life is just so daily. And what he's meaning by that is, the prop, you know what, the hardest thing about life is that it just keeps coming. It, there, it, there never is a break from life unless you're dead. But that isn't a break because life is over then. So there is never a break from life. It just keeps going. And it just keeps going until the time where it's time for you to go, where the time where you pass away. There is life. And many people, if you are assembled in church today, if you are here, I believe it is because, I believe many would give testimony, we want to live for God. We want to live, order our lives, the days that we have here on this earth, We want to order them in such a way that they are honoring and pleasing to God. I believe everyone in here, that is the purpose why we're here. We're not here just so we can feel good about it. We're not here just for the fellowship, though that is an added blessing. We're here because we want to live for God, or at least I hope you are. But some days, it can just be hard to live for God. We get up, and it's just one of those days. We miss the train. Then the train's overcrowded. Then we get to work, and that customer 
It's, it's just that one. Everybody knows what that customer is. He either calls up or, or whoever it is shows up or maybe we're just not feeling well that day. And we're going through and life just keeps going on. And we're like, Sunday, Sunday morning we came, we heard the preaching of God's word. And we're like, yes, I want to live for God. I see these changes I need to make in my life. I see these, you know what, I want to live for God in this way. I want to grow in my faith. That has been our theme this year. You know, I want to live by my faith. I want to have that personal faith with the Lord and continue to grow in it. But then Monday comes. Then just that family problem. Just when everything seems to be going right. Okay, I've got my head screwed on straight. I'm ready to go forward. And then you just everything goes Kerplui, we might say. We want to see God change our lives, change how we live into what God's Word says. We want, God wants to conform our lives to the Word of God. And I believe if we are here today, many of us want to see that happen. We want to see the way we live our lives conformed to what God has for us. We want to see our lives begin to mirror the Word of God. But sometimes it is much easier to live for God on Sunday than it is Monday. It's just, why? Because we're fighting a human nature. We're fighting the world. Our biggest enemy, though, as Pastor always says, is who you look at in the mirror. It's ourselves. Is our biggest enemy. But if we're not ready to live for God on Monday, I want to challenge you is maybe because we were not truly living for God on Sunday. If we're not ready, though life comes... Difficulties come, yes. If we were truly ready to live for God come Sunday, if we are truly ready to have God change us on Sunday, I believe that that should carry over to Monday and the rest of the week if we listen to what the Bible says. That how God wants us to live should not be just on Sunday, but should affect us the rest of the week. How God wants us to live, the behavior patterns that we have in our life, our thoughts, our words, our deeds, should be affected on Sunday through the rest of the week. It shouldn't be something that changes for Sunday, because if it's just something we put on for Sunday, I want to challenge you that we are not ready to worship God on Sunday either. If it is something we are just putting on. We often hear God's word and we fail to live it. Because we're sinners. We're human. But James here, he's writing to Jewish believers who are scattered through the world. And he's, they are going through difficult times. Because the Jewish believers are persecuted because they're Jewish people. And then they're persecuted by their own people. So they are outcasts of the outcasts, basically. And James here is trying to encourage them, saying, you can still live for God, even though you're in very trying circumstances. You still should have the same walk with God all through your life because of who God is and because of what His Word, no matter what is going on. So as he's writing, he's encouraging them. As he begins in the chapter, verse number 2 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations. Boy, who wants to sign up for divers? That just means different. That means sundry, a larger, just different types of t- temptations, tribulations, trials. I don't know. I don't necessarily want to sign up for that. But if you're going to live God, you live for God, you're going to encounter trials, persecutions, temptations, You're going to go through it. 
But he says, knowing this, that the trying of your faith, trying of your faith worketh patience. And then he says, well, how are you going to get through these trials? How are you going to get through these tribulations? He says in verse number five, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given unto him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of sea driven with the wind and tossed. And he's beginning to talk to them and explain to them how, you know what? You're going to go through trials, but if God will give you, if you ask him, God will give you the wisdom and the grace that you need to go through the trials you face every day. God wants you to live a certain way, even though you're going through trials, even though you're going through temptations, God still wants you to live according to his word. And you need to go to God for the ability to do that. And then he begins to go on and he says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed, that when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not we see that coming true over and over again in the world we live today? That the end result of sin is death. As people begin to choose their own way, the Bible says, God isn't tempting you to go to sin. That's from you. God will send trials into your life. Yes. So help you grow closer to Him. But you can choose to sin. When you sin, He says, you're drawn away of your own lust and enticed. And the end result of sin is death. Then he gets down to verse number, verse number 21, where we start. He says, wherefore, lay apart, if you're going to live for God, if you are going to follow what God has for you in your life, he says, you need to lay aside your sin. Lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. Superfluity, pretty self-explanatory there, is just abundance. He's like, we are all sinners. And we all have iniquity, sin, just things that are wrong in our life. In fact, there's abundance of it in all our lives. Even people who have been saved, we still sin. And there's stuff in our lives that is wrong. And if you're not saved, that issue hasn't been settled. That sin is still in your life. But even saved people who sin, there needs to come a time where we lay that aside. We get rid of it, lay aside all that, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. He says, if you have the sin, we need to lay that aside and humbly receive. He says, receive with meekness. You know how hard it is to take correction? I, I, I don't like being corrected. I don't believe any of us. And it's in our sin nature, the pride that wells up within us when somebody comes and says, you're wrong. And we instantly... Instantly, you may not be a good debater, you may not be a good arguer, but when someone gets in his face and says, in your face and says, you're wrong, each of us instantly have 25 reasons why that's okay this time. Or while in our circumstances, yes, that's wrong for everybody else, but you see, we have a special set of circumstances. When it comes to God's word, we need to humbly receive what God's word has to say, because God is just. 
God is always right. And when God's word convicts us, it's because God is trying to bring us into alignment with his word. God is trying to make us and conform us more and more into the image of his son. And so, time after time, you're going to show up to church. Or you're going to be reading your devotions, reading your Bible reading schedule. Hopefully, Lord willing, reading your Bible reading schedule in the morning. Or whenever the time is that you read that. And God's word is going to confront you with something. And there's two th- you can either refuse it, or you can humbly, meekly receive it. And it's, this is the same word, which if you're saved today, you were saved because you believed the word of God and you acted upon it. You believed in faith that God's word is what it says and that the only way for salvation is through Jesus Christ. Where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You believe that, and you humbly acted upon it. You received the engrafted word and said, yes, I am a sinner, and you acted upon that and were saved. And we have to do that, not being saved, but as we go through our Christian life, God is going to confront you with different truths. I want you to live this certain way. I want you to witness to this person. I want you to stop going to these certain places. I want Whatever it is, we all have experienced it if you're saved, If you're saved, you've experienced God's word speaking to your heart and saying, I want these behaviors changed. So you can, we need to receive it. It's a command. Receive with meekness the engrafted word. And then James gives a warning. Because if you are here today, this morning, you are hearing, Lord willing, if I am preaching what the Bible says, you are hearing the word of God. If you are reading your Bible, you are hearing the word of God. And James is giving a very, very harsh warning here. He's saying, you can hear the word of God and still miss it. Because let's read verse number 22, because he gives a warning here. He says, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. James is separating the actions of hearing and the actions of doing. He's separating that. He says it's possible to be a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word. James is warning them that a lack of obedience will lead them to deceiving themselves. All right? What does deceiving mean? If if by not doing what I've heard, I deceive myself, what does that look like? How does deceive look like? The word deceive, that's what it means, deceive. It also carries the idea of convincing arguments. How many have ever had a conversation with yourself? Not in a schizophrenic way or anything like that, but something comes in your life and you're like, should I do this or should I not? And you begin to have that debate within yourself whether I should do this activity, whether this is right to do, this is wrong to do, or you know this is right. Well, I don't really want to do this. Yes, I know I should do this. And that debate begins to go back and forth inside you. When we allow that debate to go on inside our lives, if we do not do the word, what we have done, do what we have heard, is we have allowed ourselves to argue ourselves, to convince ourselves, use false arguments to keep us from doing what is right. How many have failed? I know in my life, I failed to give, give someone a gospel track because a false argument of, Well, that person may not like you. 
Or that person may get mad at you. Or you're, you really should be afraid of that person. And what I'm doing is I'm deceiving myself. I'm allowing the false arguments to come into my life and keep me from doing what God has told me to do. Some, it may be living a holy life. We know God has said, Be ye holy, for I am holy. But you just don't know the situation I have at work. You just don't know how wicked this city is. Whatever you put in, and you can begin to argue with yourself and convince yourself that, you know what, it's okay not to obey God's word here. And James is warning you, when you begin to do that, what you're doing is you are deceiving your own self. Just like a lawyer who would use false arguments. Sounds like our politicians today. Use so many false arguments, just completely make things up out of the blue to convince people that they can be trusted. Yet we look at that and we say, that is ridiculous. That is, that is shameful behavior. They shouldn't be doing that. And yet we do that in our own lives. All of us have done it. Where we convince ourselves that, yes, this is what God's word says. But in this instance, in this scenario, you know, we can really take it and interpret it this way. And he's warning them. He's commanding them. Make sure that you are doers of the word. If you have humbly received the word, if you've heard it, now that doesn't stop there, you must now act upon it. We have all at some times come upon something in the word of God, either through the preaching of the word of God, listening to a sermon maybe, reading the Bible, praying, where God speaks to us, And says, this needs to change in your life. But we never make the transition from hearing to doing. So James here gives us an illustration of what that looks like. He compares someone, look at verse number 23 through 24. He says, for if any, okay, if if someone out there be a hearer of the word and not a doer. Alright, we're talking about someone who has deceived themselves. He is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. Alright? Someone who is a hearer and not a doer is somebody like somebody, this is what James says, like somebody who goes and takes a good look in the mirror. The word there, behold, some people want to say he's just taking a quick glance and that's the difference. No, the word behold means to look with wisdom. He wants, he's beholding it. He wants to see what's going on. And it says he sees his natural face. That's what I look like when I get up in the morning and my hair is going this way and that way. It's my natural face before I put some gel in my hair, before I wash the crusty skin off my face. And clean the goop out of my eyes. That is my natural face. So I'm going and I look in the mirror and I see my face. My natural face. I see what is there. But then, because I haven't had my coffee yet, I turn around and walk away and I show up to church and realize I have totally forgotten to shave. I just totally forgot. I walked up to the mirror. I looked at it. I saw it. And I walked away. How many people have been on the subway train with somebody who looked in the mirror and forgot to brush 
their teeth. Or put on deodorant. I hope nobody in this room has been guilty of that, though I'm sure sometimes we all have. I've been at junior camps when I was on uh, witness with a singing group there at Heartland. We went around, went to some camps. One time we got to be counselors at a junior camp. Oh, my soul. In that boy's dorm. They were 10, 11 years old. And apparently at that stage in life, a 10 or 11 year old boy has no concern for their personal hygiene. No concern whatsoever. They're not in trying to impress any girls at that time. They're, not, they're trying to see with their buddies how stinky and dirty they can get. Because that is just the life to an 11 year old boy. He wants to see if he can make it the whole week without his counselor throwing him physically into the shower. He can look in the mirror, but he doesn't care. He's walking away. Many people spend millions of dollars and hours in a day so they can keep other people from knowing what they really look like. They'll, do, they'll go to plastic surgeons. They'll do whatever they can do to keep people from knowing what they really look like. I saw a hilarious picture recently. Um, however many have seen a picture, like an advertisement or whatever, for Captain America you've seen, and he's this big, crazy, buff guy, whatever. And you see this picture, and in the, in the picture on the front of the movie, he looks like the biggest guy ever. Well, I saw, you know, they purposely take angle shots and whatever to do that. But I saw a picture of the actor who plays Captain America beside Shaquille O'Neal. It was hysterical. Because Shaquille O'Neal is up here, and the, the actor is like down here. And people will spend so much time trying to convince everybody of how much they look like. Of how great they are. In reality, they haven't really taken a look in the mirror. They haven't really seen what they really look like. And when we look in God's Word, when we listen to the preaching of God's Word, we can see what we really look like. So all of a sudden, we're not big super Christian. We really realize we're this... I'm not really what I thought I was. But you can have two choices when you realize that. You can say, that isn't really what I wanted to see. Or you can say, what am I going to do about it? You can have two choices with that. Someone who hears the Word of God can see they have problems in their life. They may even come down to the altar at the end of a service and pray for God to deliver them from the image they have seen in the Word of God. But someone who fails to act upon what God's Word says gets up and leaves the same way they came. They're a forgetful hearer. They they forget what manner of man he was, is what the Bible says. God speaks to your heart. God knows what He wants to do in your life. And yet so often, I know in my own life, we're confronted with the truth from God's Word. We often even agree. We humbly receive it and say, yes, there is change in my life that needs to happen. But then we get up, life goes on, and we walk away from the mirror of God's Word and forget what manner of man we were. We forget 
the truth that God has exposed in our life. And then we begin the argument with ourselves. We're saying, well, I'm really not that bad. Well, I'm really not that far out of God's will. There's often a break between needed changes and true changes in our lives. You go to the Christian bookstore, a very dangerous place for a Christian because it's full of self-help books where you can see hundreds and hundreds of books with all these problems and how you can be changed in 20 days with reading this book. Or you can experience true joy by reading this book. I want to challenge you. You can read all those books you want. You can see all the great things and how get your plans, your 20 steps in a row. But until you submit yourself to the Word of God, because it is the Word of God, and act upon the Word of God, you and I, myself, everyone, pastor, will never see the change that God wants to see in our life until we act upon the Word of God. God has already given us His Word. We don't need some simple 20-step solution, 3-step solution to a better life. What we need is to be a doer of the Word and not a hearer only. Why we often fail, it is not hopeless, because God desires us to be truly doers of His Word. All right. So you say, I want to be a doer of the Word. I want to see the change in my life that God wants to see change in my life. I want to have my life become more and more like the Word of God. I want that to have happen. I want that to be that way. So how do I do it? How do I do it? James wants these believers to know. He's writing them. Let's read verse number 25. But who so looketh into the perfect law of liberty... And continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. You notice there's a difference there? Someone who continues in the Word of God receives the blessings of the Word of God, the blessings, the peace, the joy that God's Word promises to those who obey, while those who are simply hearers deceive themselves. What's the key here? Let's just go through. Let's break, let's break down this verse. Let's go through. It says, but whoso looketh into. Alright, let's stop right there. The word there, looketh into. it. This is what the, the um, literal meaning of the word is to bend down, to pick up. It has this idea. Paying close attention to the word of God. It is possible to show up into church and just sit there. Your eyes are open, the lights are on, but nobody's home. It's possible to sit there in church and just let things go over you. And I know I've, I've been tired before, and I've showed up to church, and I've sat there, especially in Bible college, when you show up and that's the first time you've sat down all day, and you sit there and go, how am I going to stay awake? And then I don't. But, Lord has helped me some with that. But, it's possible to show up to church and do that. But, The way we need to approach the Word of God, not just even the preaching, but even when we are reading our Bibles, even when we are trying to spend our personal time with God, we need to take the time to stop and read the Word of God and seek to understand it. Stop and bend down, look into it, consider it. 
But I want to challenge you that the difference between the forgetful hearer and the doer of the word is not the fact that the other person looks more into the word of God. Now, he may. He may spend more time in the word of God. But the person who looks into the mirror, he's using the mirror as an illustration of God's word. He's looking and he sees it. But he leaves. Here's the difference. It says, look at, and then let's go in. Look at, into, what does he look into? The perfect law of liberty. I find that interesting. Most people, when they say, when you tell them, I'm a Christian, I follow, I follow the word of God. Well, I guess you don't have any fun, do you? How, how many people have had someone say that to you? If you say, I'm a Christian and I do what the Bible says. I've had someone say that to me. He says, man, you must not have any fun. But the, here's what James calls it. He calls the word of God the perfect law of liberty. You know what it is? When we get into the Word of God, we find more freedom in the Word of God than we find outside the Word of God. We find more blessings, more joy, more um, fun, we might even say, as we serve God than we ever will outside the Word of God. He's saying, who, who would ever thought that following God I would have gotten to get 60 feet up in the air on scaffolding? That is all kinds of fun. But as you follow God, as you follow God and continue to serve Him, He says, look into the perfect, complete, you don't need anything else. Law. That's the Word of God. It's, but it's not a risk, rules, list of rules and regulations that will come out here somewhere. List of rules and regulations. But it is the law of liberty. Perfect law of liberty. If you want liberty, you've got to follow this law. It says, as you look into that, as you spend time digging into that perfect law of liberty, then here's the key. And continueth therein. Continueth. That's an active verb. You keep on doing it. It also has this idea of like an office. A political office. Or I could say it this way. An occupation. What you do. As you Continue, look, look into the law of God, that perfect law of liberty, and then it isn't something that you show up to church on Sunday and leave it on your desk before you leave for work on Monday, but it is something that is part of who you are. It is part of your office, of what you do as living as a person. As you go to work that day, before you go to work, you are already in and continuing in the words of God. That perfect law of liberty is going with you to work. That perfect law of liberty is with you as you're dealing with your kids. That perfect law of liberty is with you as you're dealing with that boss or that family or just dealing with the aches and pains that come with life. The perfect law, it continueth. Therein, here's what he says, he being not a forgetful hearer, why is he not forgetting? Because he has it with him. Because it's part of who he is. He's saying, this is what I need to, not only do I see it, not only am I looking, I see the issues here, but I need to take this with me because this needs to change who I am. So he's not forgetting about it. Because that's where often the thing comes in. I said, life is so daily. We just get busy. We just get busy. And everything else occupies our mind, 
our time, our purpose in life, but the Word of God, what we have done right then. We've forgotten it. We've left it behind. And we've become a forgetful deer. And all of a sudden, you and I will find ourselves doing things that we know are in opposition to the Word of God. But we've deceived ourselves because we've heard but we haven't done. Pastor often asks the questions, how many have sinned this week? Go ahead. We've all done it. Go ahead. Raise your hand. We have, all, we have all sinned this week. You can raise your hand if you've sinned. Otherwise, you're adding to it. We have all sinned this week. You know what that means? We've all forgotten. We've all taken time, stepped back from the law of God, left it on our bureau dresser, whatever you wanna, however you want to say it, maybe even had a track in our pocket, and we still forgot it. Been there? Guilty. But, when we continue in the Word of God and become a doer of the work, this is what the Bible says, He will be blessed in His deed. If you or I are going to receive the blessings of the Word of God, we must not only hear But we must make the Word of God what we do. A believer must respond to the Word of God, not only by hearing, but also continuously acting upon what God's Word has said. Not only hearing, but continuously acting upon what God's Word has said. Not only do we need to see what the Bible says, even agree with the change. We need to act upon it. Each and every day. So have you responded to the Word of God? Let me ask it first this way. Have you received the Word of God concerning your soul? Have you been saved today? Have you taken the Word of God and not only realized that you were a sinner, not only realized that Je- heard that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven, not only heard that you were a sinner and on your way to hell without Jesus Christ, have you acted upon it? Have you called on Jesus Christ to be your Savior today? Have you? If you are, you're saved. Why? Because you acted upon God's Word and faith and believed that Jesus Christ could be your only Savior and asked Him to save you. You became a doer of the work. That's the only way anybody could be saved today. If you're not saved today, let me tell you, you can be saved today because the Word of God teaches that we all are sinners and that our only hope of heaven is through Jesus Christ. Where Jesus Christ came and He died on the cross and He paid for every sin we have sinned so that we could go to heaven. He paid for it all if we will only trust Him as our Savior. But you have to do more than just hear that. You have to act upon that and be saved. So then the other question is, if you're saved today, are you living according to the Word of God? What areas of your life, and it'll be different for me, it might be different for you, some of us may have things in common, but we each have to come before God And know what God wants us to do. What areas of your life are you not living according to the Word of God? You might ask, I know God's Word says this, 
says all this about my situation here. And I need to become a doer of the word and not just a hearer. Every day, you and I must come before the Word of God and submit ourselves to it. We must come to the Word of God and say, God, this is what you've said. This is truth. I need to continue therein. This, I will only find the blessings and the liberty that your Word promises when I obey it. When I obey it. When I am a doer of the Word and not... A hearer only. Because blessings and the freedom that we all associate with the Christian life that is there, that is there for us, the blessings and freedom that God has promised to those who believe on Him will come when you act upon the revealed will of God. Many in this room have been through the discipleship program here at Open Door. And there's lesson, I believe it's lesson number six, about the will of God. There's the revealed will of God and the un. And the, um, the will of God that we don't know yet. What God wants us to personally do. And the point is that you will never know what God wants you to do tomorrow until you do what God wants you to do today. If you want to know what God wants you to do tomorrow, do what God wants you to do today. Don't be a hearer of the word. Be a hearer and a doer. We all need to hear the word of God, yes. But to hear the word of God without doing it is leads to deception. It leads to that argument within ourselves where we say, where we can begin to convince ourselves that it's okay to do certain things. That it's not really that bad. Or that, you know what, it's okay to miss church on that because I'm just so tired. Or it's okay not to witness then. Or it's okay not to live for God in such and such a scenario. But if we hear the word of God, and we look into it, we realize that it's the perfect law of liberty, that when we look into it, that is where we find the freedom. That is where we find the joy. And we begin to do it. We continue therein. We take it with us every day. Every hour of every day, it is with us. And we begin to do what the Word of God says and stop forgetting what God is trying to change in our life. We look in the mirror. We see the things that are of God's Word. We look in that mirror of God's Word through the preaching of God's Word, through reading our Bibles, and we begin to see the changes that come in our lives, that need to come into our lives. And then we continue therein. We don't leave and say, well, that was a good Bible reading today. We continue therein. When you obey God today, God will give you what you need for tomorrow. When you and I choose to continue in the Word of God, we will have the freedom and the blessings of God because blessings and freedom come when you make God's Word what you live for. God's Word, how you live. The opposite is also true as well. That when we become forgetful, when we stop making the diligent search that is required, to see what God's Word wants to do in our lives, we will begin to forget what God wants to change in our lives. And we will begin to forget and we will become hearers. We'll still hear the Word of God. We'll read it. We'll listen to the preaching. But we'll stop doing it. And we'll become deceived. When studying, I came across this, and he just said it, um, one of the commentaries I was reading, he said it in a wonderful way. I don't usually quote things, but I just want to read this to you. He says, about these verses, says, We deceive ourselves when we mistake the part for the whole. 
It is only part of our fruitful use of the Word of God to hear it and receive it. But it is a part on which we might unduly preen ourselves. I spent 50 minutes this morning, 50 minutes, reading the Bible. And I can remember what I read. It was a super uninterrupted time. And James would say, well done. But now, what about obeying the word you read? Have you actually changed your mind so that you now hold to be true what you learnt in the word? Have you and are you redirecting your imagination and your eyes and your thoughts so as to live according to the standards of the word? Are your relationships different as the word instructed you they should be? And so he could go on. Hearing the word is only part of it. It is the part we often most talk about. You need to be here to hear the preaching of God's Word. You need to be reading your Bibles. We talk about yes, yes, and yes. But until we take what we have learned in the Word of God and begin to apply it to our lives, begin to do what the Word of God has said, we're simply playing games. We're deceiving ourselves. It'd be foolish, very foolish, for someone to try to put a car together from scratch, get all the parts and put an engine together and then put the wheels on it, to do all that without ever looking at a manual. Or he looked at the manual and says, I got a better idea than that. I know I've put together even just little models growing up. I've done some of those little models where you paint them and you put the stickers on them. And I very diligently followed the directions, most of the time, because I wanted the model to look like the picture on the box. Somehow it never quite did, but I wanted to get it as close as I possibly could. In our lives, we want them to look like what the Word of God says. We want them to resemble what the Word of God has said should be in our lives. But how often do we look at the directions, put this part here, do this here, and we say, you know what, sure it would be easier if I could do it this way. And we wonder why sometimes our lives don't always match up to what God's Word says. But, what he said there was so good and I think, but now what about obeying the Word you've read? You've read it. You've heard it. But here comes Monday tomorrow. What are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? Are we going to be a hearer or a doer? The choice is yours. You've got to hear to do. But if that hearing is going to profit you to be a better Christian, if that hearing is going to make you more like what God wants you to be, you and I have to do something about it. We have to say, what does God's Word say? This is going to change how I live today. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank You for today. And we thank You for what Your Word says. I just pray as we go, as we go on today during this invitation, that if You've spoken to anyone's hearts, that they would come forward 
that they would make that decision with you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Just going to have the piano play for a little bit. We won't have any singing. But if you want to come forward and pray, now is the time.